Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia, where I speak with leading guitarists and guitar figures from all around the world. Thank you so much for joining me for episode number 219. Now, I realize every week in the intro I talk about guitar players and guitar figures. Now, when we say guitar figures, I'm really talking about producers, documentary makers, luthiers, pedal builders, pickup builders, shop techs, and today a touring tech. We've had a couple of touring techs on the show, and I'm speaking to today Mr. Todd Mills, touring tech with Jefferson Starship. He's the guitar tech, he's the drum tech, he's the stage manager, he's making things happen. I love these behind-the-scenes stories. I love meeting these guys and girls who are out there making things happen, from the wings, from backstage, from all around the place. Really cool, really cool insights in this conversation. It was so good to meet Todd. Now, in Jefferson Starship, the lead guitar seat is, of course, occupied by our friend, Jude Gold. He's been on the podcast a couple of times, and uh, he's fantastic. I love Jude, and um, it was cool to meet Todd. There's a lot of Jude conversation going on here, as well as all the other members of Jefferson Starship bit of Todd's background in tech and as it turns out Todd and I are both massive Star Wars fans so something to either A look forward to or B look out for towards the end of the conversation we sneak a bit of Star Wars music there are some very cool Jefferson Starship Star Wars connections actually so you might uh, you might want to hang around for that I promise Todd and I only got super geeky on the Star Wars once I uh, once we finished the conversation so there you go there you go all right let's just jump straight in it was such a fun conversation and uh here it is now todd mills welcome to the guitar speak podcast thank you very much it's it's a pleasure to be here great to have you man there's lots for us to talk about um perhaps the first and most immediate thing to bring up you're the guitar and drum tech i believe in jefferson starship amazing band thank you and and uh drink tech sometimes um i depending on who you ask in the band i i probably am just the stage manager okay okay everything on the stage so yeah you are a multitasker big time what um how did you get that gig um it was uh right after things started loosening up in illinois after the pandemic Mm-hmm. Um, I was working at Midtown Instrument Rental. Um, it was one of the first few jobs outside of uh, outside of just 
trying to get everything back going, um, you know, checking over the gear, making sure everything's still working after a year of nobody doing anything or two yeah. years of nobody doing anything. Um, did a show in Southern Illinois with Jefferson Starship um, where they do, I, I, I'd worked with them before. I'd done a, a guitar tech on um, a couple of shows back in 2019 mm-hmm. uh, for a competitor who just needed the guitar tech. And I was, you know, I just did two shows, kind of get to know Jude, got to know Jude, um, got to know the band a little bit. Um, but then in 2021, I did a full show with them where I pulled it, brought in the back line, set everything up um, according to the writer um, and, um, and then worked the show itself. Uh, I'd known Jude a little bit cause I'd met him at uh, NAMM 2020. Uh, I'd reached out from time to time. I listened to his podcast and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like afterward, after the show, they were like, well, you know, we've been kind of looking for somebody. And I said, well, if you're interested, here's my card. Never expected to hear anything from them. And then a couple months later, I was working a, a state fair in Illinois. And I got a phone call from their tour manager. Nice. Who was interested in uh, in me coming out and doing a couple of runs with them um, just as a tryout. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the shop and said, hey, you know, I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to do this thing. This is an opportunity I can't pass up. Yeah, sure. Uh, so um, I went, did the first run. Things went great. Uh, did the second run. Um, when I got to the second run, they had a they had a one off show, like in between. Like they like they're kind of re- weekend warriors, mm-hmm. where they'll they'll do shows on weekends and such, and maybe go on a couple runs, like maybe a week or two or whatever. So they had one off up in Seattle, came back to the second run that we were going to do and just said, hey, um, we wanted you on the multiple show runs. uh, But after this Seattle thing, we want you on everything. And then it's kind of been that from then on. Um, I think uh, I think my backline experience, you know, being able to do drums, because I actually sat and watched Donnie do his drums, the drummer for Jefferson yeah, Starship, Donnie Baldwin. Um, watched him do his stuff and kind of stood at a respectful distance. And whenever he needed help, I jumped in mm-hmm. and you know, could talk drums with him. I uh, could talk keyboards with the keyboard player, Chris Smith. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, it, it kind of worked out. And everybody seemed to say, hey, this is this is our guy. So it's been... It's been almost a year and a half now. Okay, fantastic. You've done some amazing stuff yeah. there. What's um, you mentioned? Yeah, you, it's it's a multiple kind of role. So, yeah. what what's your role on tour? If you had to describe it, if I had to describe it, um, stage manager, backline tech. Um, sometimes I'll do a little bit of tour management, not much. I mean, not really enough to say that I'm, I'm any good at it. Sure. Um, so basically, uh, I don't know if you, if you want, I can give you a rundown of what my day would be like on a you know, more or less show days. Yeah. Show day. What, what does that look like? That'd be awesome. So show day, uh, after breakfast you know, go rest for a little bit, um, get into the venue probably around two o'clock. Uh, we don't carry our own gear. We, we rent from everywhere. 
So whatever backline company has come in, they've pretty much preset uh, keyboards, place the amps where they're kind of supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And then I walk in, first thing I start doing is I start building Donnie's drum kit. Uh, sometimes Donnie will come with, sometimes, you know, he just comes when he's, when he's ready. Um, once I'm done with that, I make sure the keyboards are set where they're supposed to go. And then, uh, I start laying down, um, Jude's pedal board and Kathy's pedal board mm-hmm. and set up David's, uh, David's wireless. David doesn't use a pedal board. So, okay. um, Jude's a very hands-on kind of guy. Yeah. So sometimes he'll show up and start doing his stuff on his own. Um, Donnie can be impatient. <laughs> okay. So he'll come in. Sometimes I'm working around him, but I mean, it's, I think, uh, you know, ultimately it's, it, it's just kind of a, a, you know, get that stuff set up, help everybody out as much as possible and then get my world set up. Um, sound check, tape everything down. Um, and then when sound check is done, I kind of make sure that, the stage is set. I mean, the set lists are where they're supposed to go. Water's on the stage, towels on the stage. Um, everything works. Yeah. I tune everything, change the batteries. And uh, then it's showtime where I, I primarily focus on Kathy. Mm-hmm. She plays guitar and sings at the same time. Yeah. Um, and she does a few guitar changes between, uh, she does a, a Rickenbacker 12 string, yeah, which nice. is Paul Cantner. Oh wow! And then really? she's got Amazing. a yes, it is Paul's. It's on loan from the from the family. Oh, that's incredible! Um, and then she's got a custom guitar uh, by a guy named Glenn Foss, and he's out of I think Louisiana. Okay, and he just built her a guitar just out of nowhere. Uh-huh. Um, and it was like maybe a couple months before I joined the band, um, he just gave it to her. Awesome! And so I maintain that guitar and. Um, uh, that's one of two that she tours with. Yep. And then we we rent a spare Telecaster. Okay. And just I just make sure everything's tuned up, ready for the show. And depending on the song, depending on what, what she needs, I make sure she gets it. Keep an eye on everybody on the stage in case they need something. Yep. Um, Donnie or, or David or, or Chris. Um, and, yeah. When the show's over, break it all down and go sleep then <laughs> <laughs> do it all again. That's cool. That's right. Do it all again. So what, uh, you mentioned some of the stuff Kathy's bringing out. What, um, what do the other guys bring out in terms of guitars, boards, that sort of stuff? Um, Jude, Jude relies mostly on his, uh, on his music man, his yep. Sabre, the music man Sabre. Yeah. Cool. Uh, he loves that guitar. Um, and he, if he runs into trouble, if he breaks a string, we'll throw the Telecaster in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, David, uh, David does a lot of strumming, yeah. uh, and he has, um, he's got a, uh, James Tyler, um, Variax. Yeah. I've seen that. The red one. Kind yeah. Of a, yeah. Kind of a line six, uh, model anymore. And he's talking about replacing it but that's the only thing he really does he doesn't neither him nor kathy break a string very often okay um jude will every once in a while Mm -hmm. but you know i try to make sure everybody's uh strings are changed i don't change strings for for kathy and david all that often because they don't play Mm -hmm. the entire show like jude does Mm -hmm. so yeah so is david doing any funny business with the variax is he like 
working through the models or anything like that? There is an acoustic setting mm-hmm. that he uses primarily throughout the entire show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I've, I've kind of, when he's talked about replacing guitars, I keep trying to steer him towards like a Fender Acoustasonic. If that's yeah, you know, yeah. something he was looking to play, I'm like, this is good. You know, this is more or less doing what you're doing anyway. Yeah. Right. So watch that space. But yeah, he's, he's played that very for ages. It's cool. It's cool. Yes. Yeah. He's got two of them that I know of. Uh-huh. And I think the, the red one he used to play, and he's got in a couple of videos. Um, he, I don't think it works. Okay. And him being in San Francisco, me being in Chicago, it's not like I can get my hands on it and sure and sure. try to make it work or anything. So yeah. he's got his guy yeah. out there. And yeah. So. Gotcha. And so Jude's only bringing out one guitar most of the time. Yeah, I mean, he he he's got his tone dialed in with that that saber. From yeah. time to time, he'll bring out. Um, He's got a what is the other? He's got the Cutlass, the oh, Ernie, yeah. Mel, Ernie, yeah. Ernie Mel Cutlass, yeah. And then other than that, he'll bring a maybe he'll bring um, a Tally uh-huh. or a Strat, something that he's got in his arsenal. Um, I was talking to him the other day. He is uh, he is trying out a new Strat with a Floyd and a humbucker. Okay, which which I'm hoping to see on on the road sometime. I love getting my hands on on new guitars all the time. Cool. So that's great, man. Looking forward to that one. Nice. The, um, yeah, Jude, I mean, Jude's such a great player. I, I've, I've seen him play lots of different guitars and it, you know, sounds like him. He, and he, he seems to jump around, but yeah, he is digging that, that saber of yeah, late, he's, which is cool. He's, he has used it most pretty much exclusively the entire time I've, I've known him. I mean, he's, like I said, he's brought out a couple other guitars from here, here and there, but he always comes back to the Sabre. Nice, nice. What about backline amps? You're saying you're renting stuff from, from gig to gig. Is there a go-to that you guys try and get your hands on? When uh, when I first started with him, Jude was using a twin as um, as more or less like bass for his pedal board, mm-hmm. and he had, um, he had the pedals that kind of worked with that. Okay. Um, Probably the last six months or so, he's been using the um, the amp one, uh, Thomas Blue. Oh yeah, yeah, Blue, Blue Guitar Amp One. He's been using that with some of his pedals into a, a Marshall Four Twelve. Okay, nice. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's yeah. awesome. Kathy will use. Yeah. Kathy just uses a straight up twin uh, okay. with uh, with a tube screamer in front, and then she's got a delay. Okay. Um, and then David is just a straight um, Blues DeVille. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think the, four, the 410 Blues DeVille is, is what he usually goes for. Sometimes we'll get a deluxe reverb for him, but... Yeah, cool. Even, yeah, David just pretty simple. Even with the acoustic sound, he's still running that through a, through a DeVille. Yeah, we keep, we keep his tone... Uh, we, we keep him... He keep his tone a little bit quiet, a little very dry, yeah, and let the the guitar itself do most of the effects. Yeah, yeah. cool, very interesting. Yeah, is Jude still doing that thing where he'll lie the amp on its back, or stick another amp in front of the amp he's actually using to? When when we were doing the twins, when we were doing the twins, he would actually we get a the actual amp that he play, and then we get a backup yeah. and the backup would go in front as yeah. the baffle. Nice. Uh, now that we've gone to the Marshall, we, we, we haven't done that 
Uh-huh. No, we, I think the only weird thing we've done is, I mean, we've seen, um, we've, we've seen Steve Morris play. Yeah. And we've seen how he has his, his angles. Yeah. On their side. Sideways. Yeah. <laughs> we've done that. We've done that a couple times. And I don't know if he really likes doing that when okay. we get slanted cabinets. Yeah. But I mean, I'll ask him. And every once in a while, he's like, yeah, let's do that. Sometimes yeah. he just doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, he he hasn't he hasn't tilted them back. I mean, Kathy has her tilted back. Okay. But Jude has not. Okay. Yeah. I think when I spoke to him, it was quite a while ago. Now, sometimes he just like yeah. flat and it'd, it'd be going right. up. And it's I've seen that. Um, it'll have some Richard Marx does that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Nice. Very interesting. Yeah, really cool. Because I mean, these guys—they're not a—they're not like a Helix amp effects band. They want to move some air on stage. Absolutely. Yep. That's cool. I think I don't know. There's so many good ways to to gig on it as a guitarist these days. But I know for me, anytime I'm allowed to play an amp on stage, let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> can't can't go wrong when by making a lot of noise on stage. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, so. Um, that's that's the gear these guys take out. Um, what do you take out? What's what's your gig gear that you need on stage? Um, on stage, I carry. Um, I have a a tech box that has that that's got compartments built into it, uh, and a and a neck rest that's built into it. Um, I, inside that, I carry. Uh, some tools for Donnie, some tools for for guitars, um, and then I, I carry a backpack where I've got my my tuners since it can't check lithium ion batteries. So I carry um, Peterson uh, tuners. Yeah, carry two, set them both up, and then just kind of play them off each other. Okay, um, not really necessary. I mean, they're they pretty much tell me the same thing, but. Yeah. Just in case one goes down or goes, sometimes they'll go funky. Okay, and then you got to reset them or whatever. So instead of resetting it during a show, I just kind of watch the other one. Okay, gotcha. Um, but uh, carry extra strings, um, carry uh, batteries, picks, um, picks not only for the band but for myself. So I use I use a small jazz pick when I'm I'm kind of when it comes to tuning the 12 string mm-hmm. instead of strumming it, like you would a 12 string, I, I try to have to hit each string oh, individually. Yeah. So I yeah. use, I use jazz picks for that. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so it's um, just for the spacing. That's, that's legendary. I like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty much that. And, and I carry Darth Vader. Yes. We've got to get to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> What's what's Darth Vader? Tell me how how he figures in. Darth Vader, uh, he w- he was a gift from uh, the keyboard player Chris Smith, and it was maybe after it was during the second run, and it was his welcome to the band awesome. gift to me. I mean, obviously everybody knew that I was a big Star Wars fan, uh-huh. um, and so Chris was like, "Yeah, I saw this for you, buddy." And, uh, and here it is. And from then on, it's been, it's been with me. It's been on, it's usually on the, uh, the guitar boat. Okay. I, it's always 
It's always displayed during the show. Nice, nice. If you if you see me, you'll see Vader over there <laughs> somewhere. Um, yeah. Oh man, it's, it's been there. So good. There's there's obviously we will get to this. I've I've got I've got it underlined. We'll get to some Star Wars stuff because this band has got <laughs> some very unique uh, Star Wars space when, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, and even the members, even Jude's got some stuff going on. Has he told you about um, his band? I get the name wrong all the time. It's either, I think it's ACD2 or R2DC. He had this I think it's R2DC. R2DC. Sorry, Jude, I keep getting I, this wrong. We, we probably both have it wrong. Okay. <laughs> He's told me about it several times, yes. i got to hear some of that stuff. Unreal. Cantina. Right. Cantina versus Angus. That's, that's, that's the dream. Have you got any funny stories or even horrific stories of just stuff going going wrong on stage or just weird stuff in a show? Um, let's see, weird stories. Or is it just so pro you guys are killing it every night, nothing goes wrong? No, it's there are funny things and, you know, there are things where where I'll goof things up or Somebody will goof things up. Um, Kathy is um, Kathy's very animated out there. Uh-huh. And um, during the song Jane, yeah. she she hits the cowbell. Oh, the cow. Yeah. Yeah, she canes yes. that thing. <laughs> yes. She, I mean, I have the, I have the cowbell beater to prove it. Okay. Um, things chewed up. You, you'd think you'd given it to a dog for about a week. Okay. <laughs> um, she... There was one show where her 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 luggage didn't show up, so she just kind of got on stage with with kind of what she was flying with, mm-hmm. and it was a pair of flip flops. And during Jane, she's hitting the cowbell, and she'll every once in a while look at me and, and just kind of do something really goofy and weird, and she did a kick, and something went sailing over my head. <laughs> Which was her flip flop. Nice. <laughs> um, there are times that she'll she'll throw the cowbell, or, or like at the. She used to do this. She doesn't do it anymore because we've kind of we've changed how we do Jane. But at the end of Jane, she would throw the cowbell, beat her up, and try to catch it into the cowbell. Nice. And sometimes, or most of the time, she would miss, and then she'd spike the cowbell, get angry. And one one time, I was videotaping it. And she kind of gave me a look. It started to come at me. Okay. Like she was going to beat, you know, beat the crap out of me. <laughs> so I've got the video of that, which is pretty funny, pretty hilarious. Very cool. Um, sometimes uh, we'll, or, or now going back to the whole cowbell thing. So she plays cowbell during Jane for like half of the song. And then after there, it's kind of like a, like a reggae type break. Mm-hmm. Before the solo, um, so she'll throw the cowbell down, and then I hand her her guitar, and then she plays rhythm guitar for the rest of the song okay. during, throughout the solo. Yeah. A um, couple weeks ago, uh, I hit her in the face with it, and intentionally, unintentionally, of course, um, with her guitar, and yes, and with with like the top horn of the guitar. Oh. Um, Cause it's hard. Cause she doesn't back away from the mic when she's singing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I think the next night she threw the cowbell and beat her. It was towards me. 
but apparently the entire audience thought that she was throwing it at me. Okay. Okay. So she literally like after the song, when I went to go out and get the guitar, she's like, she grabs me by the arm. She goes, everybody, I, I wasn't trying to hit Todd with a guitar okay. or with the cowbell. He was just there. So that was, that was another kind of weird thing that happened. Funny thing that happened. Rock and roll, rock and roll. Have you had any, yes. have you had any multiple gear? episodes like what do you do if something goes wrong on donnie's kit and jude's amp blows up and like have you ever had like simultaneous fires to put out uh simultaneous uh no uh we've had an issue where um so doing guitar switches and stuff that's usually my the main reason i'm there okay um so I, there was one show where I was, I went out to grab Kathy's guitar and I had Donnie cause I have, I use an in-ear and on the in-ear I have Kathy's vocals and her guitar. Mm-hmm. And then I have a little switch for Donnie. So he hits the switch and then it, and then I get a, I get a, a, a microphone feed from him. Oh, okay. So yeah. he hits the switch and says, my kick pedal is dead. Mm-hmm which means the the linkage had come off. Yeah, yeah. So I'm standing there in the middle of the stage with with her guitar. So I run over to where Jude is, Jude's amp, and because we have a stand there that's usually empty. Mm-hmm. Put the stand on that, and then they're already started into the next show. Okay. Or next song. And so I'm there trying to fix the linkage while he's playing the song. Okay. <laughs> I mean, through all the, the stands, the microphone stands, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the drums. Reaching under his feet and, and stuff. Right. And I'm not a small guy. So here I am just kind of <laughs> getting as far in there as I can. Yeah. And little did I know, I knocked over one of the microphone stands, like one of the overheads. Okay. Um, but we got him, got him going. <laughs> and then I, I realized that I had – went. Th- with the uh, the double kick pedal that he uses, mm-hmm. that you have to you have to bring some slack up onto the chain for that second pedal, so it so there's there's actually movement. Okay. But I had the, the I had the pedal flat, so I had to go back out there and redo his his kick pedal. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Yep. I'm not. I'm definitely not perfect. <laughs> but got it happen and kept the show moving. Nice. Nice. That's right. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, a comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cup. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. You've done some cool tours. You, you recently did uh, like a New Zealand-Japan leg. You guys did Europe with Deep Purple. That must have been pretty epic on essentially Deep it Purple's was, home ground. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, tens of thousands of people a night. Um, my first tour, bus tour, so to speak, okay. um, in Europe. I'd never been uh, outside of uh, – honestly, I haven't really been – outside of the Midwest very much mm-hmm. other than to go to Nam every year. Um, so here I am stranger in a strange land 
doing things, you know, just with Deep Purple. I mean, I grew up listening to Deep Purple. Yeah. He used to steal my brother's Deep Purple record all the time because uh-huh. uh, he only had one at the time. Uh, he had Made in Japan. So I'd listen to that one all the time. If you've only got one, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, really. So um, it was it was kind of hectic. Show days were, were relatively hectic. We had to wait for for them to be done setting the stage. And then we'd get up there and, and get them, get Jefferson Starship set up as quickly as possible. Um, being we, it was me. And then we had a front of house engineer and a monitor engineer. This okay. was, that was all the crew. Yeah. And then I would use stage hands to, to get things where they needed to go. Um, and then I would test everything, get them running. And, and we did that every night. Awesome. And it was just, it was, it was an amazing tour. It was fun. Um, I didn't know what to expect, um, but Deep Purple's crew, um, just amazing guys. Uh, great people, great, uh, absolutely excellent techs. You know, Rogers Tech, um, uh, Christian, jeez, uh, uh, I'm forgetting names. Uh, Chimmy, who's, uh, who is... Um, Ian Pace's tech, mm-hmm. and then um, Tommy, who is who's uh, Simon's tech. All great people. Just they welcomed us with ar- with open arms. Um, and oh, I'm forgetting Don Aries' tech, um, Matthias. They were all I- incredible and uh-huh. just made us feel comfortable, made us feel welcome. And you know, we we couldn't. I don't think we could have done that that tour uh, with any other crew. It was just they were just incredible can't say anything can't say enough good things about them that's awesome man that's so cool that's good yeah there seems to be if you can get a family vibe going on a tour it seems like absolutely like a band of brothers brothers and sisters for sure i love that for sure what's the biggest adjustment for you because you've got a um you spent the best part of a decade i understand at midtown instrument um and before that you were you were working your way into that industry. What's been the biggest adjustment for you moving into a touring role? Biggest adjustment is, is um, <laughs> not having much to do during the week. Okay. <laughs> um, Jefferson Starship are, are for the most part kind of weekend warriors. So we'll go out and we'll do, we'll do shows on a weekend like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm flying out on um, Wednesday or a Thursday, sometimes even a Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when I was at Midtown, it was, you know, you've got stuff to do every day. Yeah, um, okay. I would go into the shop at Midtown. I go into the shop on Monday and then break down everything that you've taken out the week before. Um, but get everything set back to zero. Test everything. Make sure it gets put back to where it goes. Um, find any problems that you've had with any gear, uh, make sure that goes to the people who fix that, um, broken symbols of kind of thing. So you, you report that kind of stuff and, and try to get it replaced. And then, uh, Tuesday you start prepping for the weekend (laughs) where you've got, uh, I would have on average two, maybe three shows a week, sometimes even more, depending on on the type of, of things that are going on. If I were just deliveries, um, you know, I could have three, four five shows. 
Um, if they were if they were teching shows, obviously you can only tech one show at a time. Um, but you know, you prep things as as much as you can. Uh, that's testing, making sure all your cables are there, pedals and, and things of that nature. Make sure everything on the rider is accounted for, and make sure it's ready to go on the truck. And um, with Jefferson Starship, I don't have to worry about any of that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's somebody else. Somebody else is hopefully looking after all that. Sometimes they do to uh, what I consider my standards. Sometimes they don't. Um, and then with Jefferson Starship, I have to overcome those kind of things. You know, if we don't have, say, working pedals, all working pedals for Chris's keyboards, mm-hmm. you know, bring that up with Chris, work things out. You know, how does he want to go through with that? How how do I want to help him get through with that? Okay. Yeah. Um, things with Donnie, things with Jude. Uh, Jude and Jude, Kathy, and David are really simple, those kind of things. Um, a lot of moving parts with Donnie. Um, so he's the one I've kind of, kind of cue on the most. Okay. If we don't have something he's looking for, yeah. we'll try to make things work out. Gotcha. How'd you, um, get into this teching world in the first place? What, what drew you in? Uh, I would, it, I was around 16. I would help out, uh, friends who had bands locally when I, where I grew up in Indiana. Um, and then kind of left that world for a little bit and went corporate, started working for a telecom company. Um, then I moved to Chicago and then I got into working with a local band on weekends just as a guitar tech, not really anything fancy. Sometimes I'd even bring my guitars for them to play. Um, and then uh, when I got laid off from the telecom company, I, w- I was actually in the back of my head. I wanted to start a, a backline company. Okay. Um, and then uh, I th- tried getting into some of those companies. Um, I applied for SIR mm-hmm. and they were full for the season. So they, he says, have you tried Denny at Midtown? So I didn't know who Denny was. Or I didn't know what Midtown was, but he, they told me and, and I went over and um, started working there um, pretty much from Geez, probably was two, three days later once I applied, you know, because they were looking for for people. Um, And I got in, I think probably the next, in the next couple of years, I was the shop manager. And, uh, you know, after a while, starting to look at over time, possibly owning Midtown. Mm -hmm. And things never really materialized in that, in that way. But, you know, I, working at Midtown, I got some great, um, great experience, uh, learning how to do drums, uh, keep learning keyboards, getting, you know, uh, getting my hands on different amps and, you know, being able to, to, to work with a lot of amazing musicians. You know, I've, uh-huh. I've worked with, uh, Paul Schaefer, uh, and the oh, world's most dangerous band. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I worked with, uh, fog hat. Um, I delivered a keyboard to sting. Very Never cool. met him. Okay. <laughs> did you get the butler? Um, what's that? Did you did you meet the butler at the front door or something? No, no. It was it was it was interesting. He was doing he was doing his uh, he was doing that play. It was oh, some play that he was okay. doing. Okay. Yeah. 
and it was in Chicago yeah. and they needed a keyboard for it. So I delivered it to the theater, but never saw Sting. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it happens. So, um, but yeah, it's, it, it, I kind of, through the backline company, it helped me uh, gain the experience and knowledge of, that I use now with Jefferson Starship. Yeah, great. And obviously the opportunity to work with them too, so. Awesome, man. That's cool. That's what that yeah. cool. Nice. Now, if people haven't worked out yet, you and I, we're both big Star Wars fans. <laughs> Jefferson's... No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but before I pressed record, uh, Todd and I were comparing T-shirts, so we, we were already on the job here. <laughs> I know we both listened to uh, Rebel Force Radio. Shout out to those guys. Um, For sure. Yeah. We, Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Mack. Oh, from Chicago. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's really into it. He, he'll drop a reference mid-show every now and then. You think, man. Yes. This guy knows what's going on. I was talking with him last night about um, one of David Lee Roth's uh, solo albums. and I can't remember which one. It was one that I had never really listened to much. Uh-huh. But he was he was raising awareness for it. So. Okay, he's definitely a guitar guy too. So. Yeah, yeah. Sounds he like, might be somebody you might want to have on the on the podcast. That could be fun. He talks about like every now and then he talk about drop D tuning. So you think, oh, okay, this guy's dialed in. Or you yeah. talk about his Lukather signature model Ibanez, which is quite a rare one. So he's, I think he's got a couple of guitars. Yeah, I know he's got. I think he's got an old Roadstar, but okay. I've, I've not talked to him about guitars yet. Okay. Okay. The world's colliding, man. Yes. Worlds within worlds, which I think is a – was that a Rebels thing? I don't know. Anyway, Jefferson Starship has this amazing Star Wars connection, which for you to have this gig is nuts. Uh, everyone in the world should know that it should be mandatory learning, but uh, Jefferson Starship, of course, appeared on the Star Wars, Star Wars Holiday Special. They played Light the Sky on Fire. And uh, David Freeberg, who's been – in the Jefferson family, uh, throughout some of the different band iterations, was in that clip. Was was on that song. That's amazing. Uh, I uh, I didn't necessarily know it uh, beforehand. Um, before I, I worked with the band, um, then one day, I, a little bit after, I'm, I'm like, I just took a chance on it, and I'd never seen the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh huh. And I'm watching it, and I'm and the whole time I'm like, "This is absolutely craptacular." Yes. Um, <laughs> and Jefferson Starship came on, and I'm like, "I know those guys." And then I saw David. Yeah. Took a couple screenshots. Yeah. Um, David doesn't talk about it too much. Yeah. Uh, he he downplays it. It was more or less, more or less a it was more or less a video shoot for him. Yes. Yeah. And for the entire band. Yeah. Um, one story he likes to tell is is that Dave, is that uh, Marty Ballin, who was a vocalist at the time, had the the microphone that looked like a lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. And that's awesome. And apparently, Paul Kantner uh, wanted one himself because uh-huh. Paul Kantner was more of a, a of the Star Wars um, sci fi uh, guy. Okay. okay, so he was he was a, he wanted it. He wanted a microphone too that lit up like a lightsaber. Okay. So, of course, but ultimately, uh, it led to it did lead to this. Um, so there is Rancho Obi-Wan in Petaluma, California, mm-hmm. 
which is the largest uh, collection, private collection of Star Wars memorabilia. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were doing shows out in San Francisco a few years back, or not a few years back, about about a year back, and um, we had the opportunity for me to stay in San Francisco like an extra day. So it was Jude, Chris, myself, uh, Kathy, Donnie, and, and David weren't didn't really want to go. They're not as big nerds as I am. Yeah. So um, we went to Rancho Obi Wan, and so they have this part in their in the in the museum itself where it's a mock up of a kid's bedroom in 1977. So they've got the Star Wars sheets, the Star Wars. Oh yeah. Um, uh, curtains, the Star Wars this, and they have Light the Sky on Fire on a 45 on a record player. Wow, that's epic. And so for that, I had in my pocket two of David Freiberg's picks. Mm-hmm. So I donated those to the museum, and they are now, I believe, still in that display. Awesome, man. Very cool. So I, I helped contribute to, uh, to Rancho Obi-Wan. That's killer. That's killer. I got to get to that. Yeah, place. we've got a. Yeah, it was it was amazing, and and the whole Star Wars thing is is Jude and Chris are very, uh, um, they they like sci fi and, and fantasy that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and so they they kind of indulge me from time to time. You mm-hmm. know, every once in a while we'll break into Star Wars. Yeah, playing it. You know, so very cool. Are you into any other Star Wars music collisions? I think for the record, I've seen you've posted that you were not into the Fernandes guitars that came out uh, for the prequels. Yeah, all of the, the Star Wars guitars themselves have been, I don't know, just to me a little bit, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, maybe tacky. Uh-huh. Still, just there weren't, they really didn't fit my aesthetic. I like things that are somewhat subtle um, or... You know, just something that looks cool. I didn't think they looked cool. So um, I don't have anything yet, but I've got a few plans in the future to do Star Wars, a couple of Star Wars themed guitars. Okay. Yeah, I don't. And I, I love I love to tell the stories, but somebody will somebody else will then. Okay. Take those plans and run with it. And then next thing I know, I've, you know, I'm making somebody else's guitar. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. You'll have to come back to us with that. We'll stay tuned. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Did you notice in um oh what was it? What was it? Was it the um uh, in Boba Fett, did you you did you see the Boba Fett series? The Max Rebo yeah. was back in the band. They've got a guitar yes. he's got a guitar player now working for right. him. Did you notice that? He's, I've seen there's a guitar that's similar to that, isn't there? Isn't that like a it's like a rail with with frets on it. Yeah, it's like is it that the, the Gitla or something or the Yes. And I've seen it and I'm like, yeah, that's that looked familiar. Yeah, yeah, so good to see some six strings. But was wasn't his guitar player a beef? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's playing so he's from the from the Jizz Whaler to whatever <laughs> that thing is. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. Oh, you're fit. Your listenership are going to be like, what are these nerds talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, look, I do, I do merge into this stuff. I have done a full Star Wars and guitars episode previously with. Um, oh, really? Yeah, there's a guy, Gabe. Not, there's a guy, Gabe Bot. He's from um, 
uh, Blast Points podcast. There's, there's pretty much the two Star okay. Wars podcasts I'm into. He's a guitarist, so there was some good, good crossovers there. Cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I will, I will merge. Yeah, apologies, but maybe people have turned off by now. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's 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 fun for they me. Probably to- off, they probably turn it off like. He's a guitar attack. I don't forget that guy. No way, no way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's what's coming up for you guys? What's coming up for you, Todd? Right now, uh, just kind of relaxing at home. Uh, we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna. We're kind of in weekend warrior mode uh, again, mm-hmm. where we're doing shows on weekends. Uh, we got Seattle coming up. Uh, we've got a. We've got a cruise coming up in March. And then we're doing the uh, the Party Gras tour so the with, uh, with Brett Michaels yeah, yeah. and Night Ranger. That's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, I was doing uh, – actually, I do have a Brett Michaels story. Uh, I was doing Backline for uh, Stephen Piercy's band. Mm-hmm. And it was a local Chicagoland uh, festival. And Brett Michaels was headlining. I had Stephen Piercy in their Backline. I had – so I was just waiting for – uh, Brett's band to finish up on the stage so I could take the stage. Um, and I haven't been doing so as much lately, but I would, I would carry a book around with me and I, it was almost always a star Wars book. Uh-huh. So I'm sitting in catering reading Brett comes out. He's got a football in his hand and he, he's talking to everybody and he comes up to me and says, what you reading? So I showed him the book and he started, we started talking star Wars a little okay. bit. So, you know, he spent his, his two, three minutes with me and then went out to where the audience would be during the, the during the performance and then who was throwing a football with some of his crew. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my Brett story. So nice. I don't, he probably won't remember when when we all go on tour together and I probably won't have enough time to uh, to to meet up with him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my Brett story. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's a that's a long run of shows that that thing. Yeah, um, and the funny thing is, is I think we're even looking to to branch off from time to time. Is is there's a little bit of space in between those shows, and I think I think Brett's going to do a one off here, and Night Ranger's going to do a one off there, and I think they may ask us to go with them, or we'll probably do some one offs. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be it's going to be a long summer. Wow, that'll be cool. That'll be cool. I know. Yeah. Um, I know Jude's had uh, Brad Gillis on. On his show, one of the early ones, I think that. So that's kind of yes. cool. Uh, I wonder who's got the second guitar spot in Night Ranger at the moment. Uh, There's been a few folks oh, doing geez. that uh, in the last couple of years, at least. Did they have a few folks? I I, I know they had a guy after Joel. Yeah, Joel Hoekstra. And, and, yeah. and here's the Joel Hoekstra connection. Oh yeah. Joel Hoekstra used to be in Kathy Richardson's band. That's right. That's right, because I've had Joel. Joel's been on this show too. So yeah, okay, cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Joel is a Chicago guy. Um, I I met Joel once. I met Brad once uh, at Nam. We have a mutual friend. Okay, uh, who lives in California. Um, But yeah, it's that's the connection there. But it's going to be it's going to be interesting touring with him. Um, But I'm trying to remember who the other guitar player was after Joel. you know, it'll definitely come up. It'll pop right into my mind as soon as we 
Just gonna. <laughs> all, all good, but it's just such an interesting spot because the original was it um, Watson Jeff like, Watson Jeff Watson did all the eight finger stuff, which Joel which Joel got into, obviously. Um, yes. So yeah, very very cool. I mean, at any rate, it sounds like a, a super fun tour that you've got coming up there. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's it's um, it's gonna be like the Deep Purple thing where it's you know get everything ready, hit the stage, and then. Get everything off the stage as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. A lot of work, but, you know, it's definitely worth it. It's going to be fun. Todd, thank you so much for joining me. It's been so fun hearing all these behind-the-scenes details and hearing about your crucial role, uh, making sure everything's running smoothly and uh, what's going on in, in Jefferson Starship land. Thanks so much for joining me on the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right, there you go. Todd Mills on the podcast. I loved meeting Todd and having a conversation. It was very cool. At this stage, Todd and I were really ramping up the Star Wars chat after the record button was extinguished. Good times. Shout out to Rebel Force Radio 2 if anyone listens to that show. Uh, It's a great Star Wars podcast. My thanks to Joe and Todd and all the team at Fretboard Biology. Thanks for sponsoring and supporting this podcast for so long. Uh, For everyone listening, please check out the links in the show notes to Fretboard Biology. There is lots of good stuff coming up on the podcast, lots of interviews with some amazing people and the Iconic series, which is my sort of roundtable discussion with my friends Rob and Gabor. We've got a few more of those episodes about to record and, and launch out into the wild too, so look out for that. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, why not share it on your socials or whatever you do? That just helps me spread the word and I would super appreciate that. Okay, time to go, but before I go... Long-time listeners will know I like to leave you with a little bit of wisdom from the words of Michael Schenker, legendary rocker from bands like UFO and the Michael Schenker Group. And you know what he told us. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. No, not that. He said this. Keep rocking. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking, indeed. All right, I'll catch you next time. Bye now.